Hey there and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. You know, we've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. Thank you, it's very kind. It's really my honour to be here with you today. I love our church, love the people of our church. And uh, it's the first time I've ever worn white trousers in my life. I think my wife looked at me this morning and said, you're not playing golf, you're preaching. But uh, it's all good. I did run it by my daughter, Mercy. She said it, it, was, it, it passed. So here I am, feeling good, excited to be with you. Who's excited about God's Word? I love this series, Wisdom. I think it's a brilliant title for a series. And if you haven't heard John's message from last week, it is worth listening to on YouTube. And uh, he gave us our series verse. We always stand to honor God's word. So our series verse was Proverbs 24.3. It says this, by wisdom, a house is built. And I wanna pick up on that because in Proverbs chapter nine, it talks about wisdom's houses, two different ones. So let me read to you about the first house. Then we're going to pray. Proverbs 9.1 Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her meat. She has mixed her wine. She has furnished her table. My wife asked me to mention to you all that wisdom is personified as a woman. So I thought I'd just drop that in for you, all right? Just, just notice that. Did you receive that, girls? Verse three, she has sent out her maidens. She cries out in the highest place in the city. Whoever has it all together, whoever is perfect, whoever is simple, let him turn in here. Ask for him who lacks understanding, she says to him. Come and eat of my bread and drink of the wine I've mixed. Forsake foolishness and live. And go in the way of understanding. My title for this message, for everyone in the room, everyone online, is this. You ready? I wish I'd called Richard. Some of you are looking at me, what is this going to be about? Come on, let's pray. Father, your word is filled with wisdom, with understanding. This is your word and these are your people. And so we give this time to you. Would you reveal more of yourself to our hearts, to our minds, that we may make wise choices. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You can take your seats. I wish I'd called Richard. Would you like to know the stupidest thing I've done this year? Who would like to know that? In February, my daughter, Mercy, she turned 18 and she loves all things fashion and all my girls are besotted with Disney. So for her 18th birthday, she wanted to go to Disney and, and Paris. So we booked an Airbnb. Went for the first time on the Eurotunnel, 
And we had <coughs> three days in Paris and in Disney. And on the last morning, Wednesday morning, we were about to go. I think we have some pictures on here of our time together. And uh, that's us. The best family pictures always don't have me in. Have you noticed that? All right. So that was us in. I think we've got one in Disney as well. And the last morning, the plan was to check out the Airbnb and spend the day in Disney and then drive back to the Eurotunnel. And so in the morning, we loaded up all of the cases, went down. I got out my key fob to open the car and nothing happened. This isn't good. And uh, so I said to the girls, look, it's probably the lithium battery. So you girls head into Disney. It was within walking distance. I'll talk to the Airbnb maintenance man. He'll bring a battery. We'll get it sorted. He bought the battery. It didn't get fixed. So I'm thinking this definitely ain't good because anyone knows me knows I'm not very practical. So the Airbnb man, he, he Googled it and he said that inside the fob's a key. So I had to break open. There's a little silver key. I'm thinking, oh, that's good. So I got in the car and tried to start the car and still nothing. So I'm talking to this French lad and he's, he doesn't speak English and I don't speak French. So every part of our conversation goes through Google Translator, which takes forever. So I say to him, it could be a flat battery. He said, I don't have any jump leads. But he Googles it and says, no, I think it's the fob. But he says, to check, we'll go to a battery shop. So he drives me to a French car battery shop. And we explain the situation, or he does, because they don't speak English. And they say, oh, it's not the battery, it's the fob. But uh, we can't fix it, you need to go to Ford. So then we go to a Ford, the national dealership in France. It's massive. And we, you know, it's the other side of Paris. We go there, we explain the situation, and he just looks and says, no, it's the fob, and it'll take uh, a week to fix. I said, well, can you come and check the car for me? He said, we don't have anyone available. Uh, it's definitely the fob. So you either have to wait here for a week or get one sent over. So I called Matt Blount. It was going to take 48 hours. So now I've got a decision to make. That, that's taken me four hours of frustration. All right? You know, I literally felt that the battery place and the, the Ford place, they literally just fobbed me off. Do you like that? They didn't care. They weren't interested in me. They realized I couldn't give them any business, so they literally weren't helping me. So now I've got to make a decision. Do I fly, fly us all back? Do we stay for a couple of nights? The Airbnb said, no, it can't because they're all fully booked. It'll cost you at least 300, 300 pounds a night. And I'm just seeing pound signs mount up. And so the only thing for us to do, I had to make a decision, it was about three o'clock in the afternoon. And while I'm trying to make this decision, Rachel's calling me saying, why haven't you sorted it out yet? And Melody's saying, hey, why don't you come on the Tower of Terror with me, Dad? And I'm thinking, I'm trying to sort this out. And the only thing I thought I could do was I had to hire a car, collect the girls, drive them back on the Eurotunnel, collect the fob, drive back to Paris the next day, pick up the car, and drive it home. That's what I chose to do. I wish I'd called Richard. So I pick up the girls, 
and like stress levels are up, it's getting tight now, it's a four-hour drive to Paris, I'm thinking, come on girls, get in the car, they're still, still buzzing. And so we, we set up Google Maps on the phone, and, and uh, we're driving along, it falls on the floor, and my iPhone screen gets smashed. Great. So I think it's Rachel's fault, she thinks it's mine. I mean, you've met Airport Steve, but you haven't met Eurotunnel Steve, all right? He's starting to, he's even worse. And so we're driving along, and by now, I've had adrenaline and stress just mount up. And I'm thinking, what a nightmare this is. But I think we're going to make the Eurotunnel. And I'm thinking, I should maybe call Richard. So Richard's over there, Richard Nash. If, if you don't know Richard, he, he's been in the car business for 40, 50 years. Runs dealerships, and there's pretty much nothing he doesn't know. So I call him and say, oh, Richard, this is what's happening. What do you think? And he asked me a series of questions. He says, when you pressed the fob, was there any kind of noise? And a click. I said, no. He said, when you took the key off and you got in the car and you, you tried to turn it, was there any kind of response? I said, no. And he went quiet. He said, Steve, don't think it's the fob. He says, you've got a flat battery. Now, have you ever received some news and slowly the penny drops that you have been an absolute idiot? I called Trevor and he said the same within five seconds. It's your battery. And so now I'm thinking, what have I done? I've got to drive the girls. And I'm driving along and I'm beating myself up. Do you ever do that? What an idiot I am. Why didn't I update my AA cover after Brexit? You need to add Europe. Why didn't I do that? Why didn't I bring two fobs? I mean, I've moved continents three times and I managed that. How could I stuff it up so badly? I knew I should have tried the battery, but he talked me out of it. And the more I do that, the more stupid and embarrassed I'm feeling. Have you ever done that in life? About 10 minutes later, Rachel says, oh, Richard's texted you. I think I've got them on the screen. And Richard says essentially two things. He says, I've got you a new battery. I mean, this is, this is 9 p.m. at night. He says, I've arranged for a new battery and a battery booster pack. And I've left them at the door of your house. And I'm like, whoa. And I'm... I'm just amazed and I'm contrasting these Frenchmen that didn't give a rip, couldn't be bothered to try and help with this and I was quite blown away. And I'm thinking about a man that could be doing a million things, runs a massive business, spends hours helping our church and he's done that for me so I call him just to say thank you. And then he says to me, Steve, I realize you've got a big day in the morning. It's a lot of miles you're gonna to have to travel. He said, would you like me to come with you? And he meant it, he meant it. And so I'm, I'm driving along with the family. I just went quiet and then Ollie, literally my eyes filled up with tears. When I thought, how kind has he been? I really wish. I'd called Richard earlier. <laughs> really wish. Anyway, to cut a long story short, we got across the channel. 
took the girls home to Norwich. We arrived at 3 a.m., set my alarm for 6.45 a.m., picked up the fob, the battery booster, drove back to Paris, got there at 4.30 p.m. the next day, tried the fob, didn't work. Tried the battery booster, and off it went. Such an idiot. And then I drove back, got home at four o'clock in the morning, then 38 hours, hundreds of pounds, and felt such an idiot. I wish I'd called Richard. I wonder what your experience is in life, where you wished you'd called Richard. I can give you his phone number if anyone needs to call him this week. But Proverbs 9 talks about What do you do when you don't know what to do? When you're confronted with life's complications, challenges, and complexities. Do you act with wisdom or wisdom? Proverbs 9 describes two houses. The first six verses talk about Lady Wisdom's house. The the last six verses, Lady or Madam Wisdom's house. Two women two houses. Which one will you choose to live in? So we're going to explore these two houses. And what I want you to do online and in the room is that we're going to play a game together. Are you ready for this? It's called Spot the Difference. Can you remember playing that as a kid? Two pictures, Spot the Difference. I want you to see if you can spot the difference between these two houses. Come on, who's still with me? All right, number one, Proverbs 9 verse 1, it says, wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. She's built something. She's a worker. She's entrepreneurial. In the ancient world, if you went to a house with even two pillars, it would be extravagant. And yet Lady Wisdom's house is amazing. It's got seven pillars. Seven, the number of perfection. It's like, whoa, look at this place. This is a lady who's an entrepreneur. She's smart. She's hewn them out. She's used her skills and talents in the real world. She's built something. There's fruit to her life. Verse two, she has slaughtered her meat. She has mixed her wine. She's furnished her table. She's sent out her maidens. She cries out from the high places of the city. What do you find in Lady Wisdom's house? There's meat and wine mixed with expensive spices. It's the food and drink of kings and queens. And she has furnished her table. Have you ever been to someone's house and you see their table and it looks amazing with cutlery and everything looks perfect? You think, wow. Who's going to be lucky enough to eat from that table? Is it going to be the rich and the powerful? Is it going to be the Beckhams and the Kardashians and the Hollingers? Who's going to be fortunate enough to get an invite to this table? We find out in verse 4, it says, whoever is simple, let him turn in here. For him who lacks understanding, she says, come and eat of my bread and drink of the wine I've mixed. Sake foolishness and live and go in the way of understanding. 
Who gets the invite? It's the simple. It's the stupid. It's the dumb. It's those who know that they need it. It's the people who think it's a fob when it's a flat battery. You don't have to earn your way to the table. You can't buy your way to the table. You know what your only qualification is? You've got to be simple. You've got to have a need. And what do you eat at Lady Wisdom's table? Meat and wine, the sirloin and filet and ribeye and Chateaubriand. There's a generosity. It's going to add value to you. It's the stuff of dreams that are at her table. And there's, there's drinks on tap. Not like me when I take my family out. So you can have a main course but no drinks because that will really add up. Who does that? It's meat and wine. It's there and it's free. It's liberal. Why has Lady Wisdom prepared a table for you? Verse 8 says, verse 6, forsake foolishness and live. I said live. Everything you need for your life is here at this table. Everything you can possibly need is already provided for you. It's a gift. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. It's for the simple who are in need. Because God came, Jesus came to give you life. Life in all of its fullness. There's a generosity and a grace to what he has for you. You can't earn it. Come to Lady Wisdom's table. Who would like to eat at that table? You say, Steve, what does this look like practically? Lady Wisdom's house has seven pillars. I thought about my life. What have been the pillars of wisdom in my life? I, uh, I've been blessed to have received heaven's wisdom through many different forms of pillars. In a temple, uh, a pillar is upstanding and it connects heaven to earth. It brings down the resource of heaven to the earth. In my life, I, I can identify many pillars. Let me give you seven of them. I'm not going to give you number one. That comes at the end. But number two is my parents. Proverbs talks many times about the wisdom of parents to help you. You say, Steve, my parents weren't godly. Well, thirdly, you can have spiritual parents. As a teenager growing up, there's a lady on the screen. Her name was Pamela Greeno. And my mate was called John. And I'd go around to their house. And she'd talk to me and build me up and speak into my life and encourage me. She was the one who at the age of 15 said, you're going to preach all over the world. And she spoke life and into my destiny and future. And if you don't have godly parents, look out for some spiritual parents. And if you've been in this church for more than 10 years and you've got a few gray hairs, look Look out for some spiritual sons and daughters that you can be a pillar of wisdom to. Parents, spiritual parents, God's word is full of wisdom. Your pastors that speak to you, that give the word to you week in, week out. The Holy Spirit is a pillar of wisdom. He's there on the inside and godly friends. That's why being in a group is so important. These are all pillars of wisdom that will hold your life up. That's the first house. I love that. That's the first six verses of Proverbs 9. But the chapter ends with six verses which describe another house. The New King James calls her the foolish woman. The message calls her the 
Madam Prostitute. I'm going to call her Madam Wisdom. What do we know about her, her, her house? Verse 13, it says, A foolish woman is clamorous. She is simple and knows nothing. She's clamorous. What does that mean? She's boisterous. She's loud. You hear her before you see her. She's constantly trying to draw attention to herself. But when you look closely, what do you see? She's simple and she knows nothing. When you approach Lady Wisdom, her seven pillars spoke of her hard work, the fruit of her life. But here's this loud woman, but when you get and scratch below the surface, she's simple and she knows nothing. Pastor John often says this, if you're going to allow a person to speak into your life, remember this, look at the fruit of their lives, not the fruit of their lips. Talk is cheap. People that overpromise and underdeliver. We find out more in verse 14, for she sits at the door of her house. You plain spot the difference still? She sits at the door of her house on a seat by the highest place of the city to call to those who pass by, who go straight on their way. Whoever is simple, turn in here. First thing to notice is she sits. Doesn't do anything. Hasn't accomplished anything. Hasn't built. She's not hewing out a future. She sits. That's all she does. Draws attention to herself. She's lazy. But where is she sitting? She's sitting in the exact same place as Lady Wisdom. In the high place. Outside of a house. Shooting her mouth off. Trying to distract you from hearing Lady Wisdom. Have you ever noticed in life, whenever you've got to make a big decision, there's almost always a distraction. Almost always something that the enemy wants to distract you with. So you don't hear the voice of wisdom. Here's one of the differences I think I've got it on screen. Madam Wisdom focuses on what she can take from you. Lady Wisdom on what she can add to you. She's prepared a table. She's got things that are going to nourish you. But Madam Wisdom, it's all about what she can take. The people in your life that are speaking into your life, are they adding value? Have they built anything? She sits in the high place, being clamorous and loud. Let me give you a bit of wisdom. Don't listen to the loudest voice. Listen to the wisest voice. I knew it was a flat battery. But I listened to the guy who works in the Central Ford dealership. They became the loudest voice. Don't allow the loudest voice to distract you from the wisest voice. Have you ever noticed in our world, in the culture wars, that right now there are some loud voices around issues like gender it's everywhere on the news the school and the media the moment anybody tries to speak with a bit of wisdom here's what lady wisdom does she shouts out she gets loud she gets personal she gets intolerant 
and accuses you of things that were never in your heart in the first place. Well, you're just a hater. And the attacks get louder and louder. Don't listen to the loudest voice. Listen to the wisest voice. Listen to the pillars of wisdom. Let's go on. It says, and for him who lacks understanding, she says to him. See, once you get into her house, because she gets your attention, she distracts you, and then she takes you on the inside. Then what do you find? It says this. She says, stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. Meat and wine, the food of kings, or morsels of bread and stolen water. Who likes drinking from water that somebody else has drunk from? Who wants to drink of someone else's system? You see, when the Bible uses water, it's a euphemism, it's an image of sexuality. And if you look at the message, Eugene Peterson tries to capture it by saying this, steal off with me and I'll show you a good time. No one will ever know. I'll give you the time of your life. Stolen water doesn't belong to you. Bread eaten in secret, in the dark. Got to cover your tracks. Got to delete your search history. Got to hope that nobody sees you going in that house. Got to tell people you were somewhere else. Wonder whether you're living a secret life. This is Lady Wisdom's house. Doesn't add any value to you, doesn't help you. But it could strip you of your dignity, strip you of your marriage, strip you of your family. It seems so attractive. It's perched on a high hill. Everything on the outside looks good. But it's not until you get on the inside you realize how destructive it is. It says in verse 18, if you go deep into her house, it said he doesn't know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of hell. What could that look like in our world? Lady Madam Wisdom's house. Pages on the internet, emotional affairs you're trying to hide, fascination with the occult, hidden addictions, choosing to give in to emotion rather than wisdom, ignoring wise pastoral advice and saying, no, I'm going in there anyway. I wonder what it is in your world. As pastors, we get to stand here and hopefully dispense wisdom and we see people, sometimes they come to us and say, which way should I go? But the worst thing is when you find that people lived a secret life and then they end up in this dark place and you've got to rescue them because their lives and marriages and families are a mess and you think, why didn't you listen to Lady Wisdom? It's destroying you. Let me ask you, whose house are you living in? Which table are you eating from? Which house do you spend the most time in? And what is going to happen? 
to your life if you keep eating at that table. I mean, it should be an obvious choice, shouldn't it? We're all sat here thinking, well, that's a no-brainer, Steve. It was the battery all along. You were thinking that, aren't you? You're thinking some things in life are just so obvious. Are they? Are they? If I was, I'll tell you why they're not. If I was to put in the foyer a sign saying, wet paint, do not touch, what would happen? How many of you would try it? See, the problem is not the sign. Problem is what's in you. And in James 1.14, it says, each one of us is tempted. How many of us get tempted? Every one of us. And then when he is drawn away by his own desire and enticed, then when desire has conceived and given birth, gives birth to sin. And sin, if you allow it to keep growing to full term, it'll bring forth death. You know, sometimes we can't help ourselves. We're hardwired in the inside. I'm a golfer. I know I'm dressed like it, can't you tell? And I love to play, and it's just so, so easy golf, isn't it? You just hit it down the middle. But the problem is I've got a hook and it keeps going to the left. I've had lessons for years to try and stop it going to the left, but it still does. Sometimes we can't stop the things. So where do you begin? Where do you begin? First six verses are about Lady Wisdom's house. The last six are Madam Wisdom's house, but the middle six contains the master key. The first pillar of wisdom. If I was to take the book of Proverbs and distill it into one verse, it would be this. Are you ready for this? Come on, I'm gonna land the plane. Proverbs 9 verse 10 says this. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, I wish I could climb into your head right now and see what you pictured when I said the fear of the Lord. Maybe if you're new to church, you're thinking, oh no, what's he saying? God's out to get me. God's going to kill me. I've got to be scared of God. That's what I grew up thinking. But when you turn to the Bible, you find it's not like that. Because every time you see the fear of the Lord in the Bible, you almost always see a promise attached to it. So let's look at the next verse. So verse 10 was the fear of the Lord is the beginning of the wisdom. What does verse 11 say? For by me, your days will be multiplied and your children will have a place of refuge. Who wants longer life? Who wants your kids to, to grow up in a safe place? Like who doesn't want that? Well, how do I get that? Fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord. Let me give you one more. Proverbs 14, 26. In the fear of the Lord, there is weakness and dysfunction and mental health issues. No, in the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence and your children will have a place of refuge. How good is that? When your battery goes flat, God says, I'll give you some jump leads and a booster pack and you'll connect to my power and you'll never run dry again. 
because God, you are my source. That's why I honor you and I reverence you and I fear you. There's always blessing attached. Let me read to you a quote from C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis is a brilliant writer and philosopher. He said this. He says, in God, you guys online and you in the room, you come up against something which is in every respect immeasurably superior to yourself. Who's glad about that? He's immeasurably superior to you in every dimension, in strength, in power, in love. Unless you know God as that, and therefore know yourself as nothing in comparison, you don't know God at all. As long as you're proud, you cannot know God. A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you're looking down, you cannot see the one who is above you. As the team come, where are you looking? Are you looking at yourself? If you were to walk into Waterstones and look at the self-help section in our city, anywhere in the world, it would tell you that the answers to your problems lie where? In you. In you. Does it? Because when I'm driving along a French road, thinking, what an idiot. What have I done? Look at what this has cost me. Why didn't I call Richard? Do you know what I started to feel the more I looked at myself? Full of shame, full of guilt, feeling embarrassed to never try anything again. Because that's what you find when you look at yourself. The answers aren't inside of you. But it all changed on that journey with one simple text from Richard. Here's what I did. I stopped focusing on how bad I was. I started to think about how incredibly kind he was and how much he valued me, how much he was willing to do for me. And friend, you're in this building today or you're watching online, God is texting you. Don't need to check your phone. Just need to check your heart. His, his kindness is being extended towards you. And here's what he's saying. I see what you've done. Even though you've done some stupid things, but I want to help you. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to lift you. I have given you everything you need for your journey. And I've laid it at your door. It's yours. Everything you need, all the power you need to live this life. And it's free. You don't have to pay for it. But last of all, he's calling you. He's calling you at the back. He's calling you at the middle. He's calling you online best news of all that you'll hear today is this saying hey I can see you've got a journey ahead would you like me to jump in the car with you and I'll be there for you every step 
of the way. Friend, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. It's when we realize who he really is and how good he is and how much he loves you and he values you. I'd like to take a moment for anyone who's listening to me and you've never realized just how much God loves you. You see, I thought I knew Richard. We were on a board together 20 years ago. I see him in the, see him in the corridors, chat to him. I'd considered him a friend. But it was in that moment when he called me, that's when I got to know Richard. Before that, I knew about him. But that moment when he called me, I really got to know his heart. Friend, do you know God's heart? Do you really know him? Not do you attend Soul Church, put it on Instagram. That's not what this is about. This is about you having a life-changing relationship with a God that wants to provide for you, wants to give you everything you need so that you can have the life that he intended and he wants to come into your life. You say, Steve, how do I do that? How do I become a Christian? It's really easy. We do it every week in our church. We pray a prayer all together. We pray and say, Jesus, would you come in? Would you forgive me of the dumb things that I've done? Would you come into my life and journey with me? I can't do this on my own. I need you. That's what it means to become a Christian. And I would love, it would be my greatest honor to pray for anyone. Anyone watching online, anyone at the front, anyone at the back, the youngest to the oldest, we want you to eat at Lady Wisdom's table. God's got a great plan for you. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Friend, this is a personal, private moment between you and him. Do you know him? Are you in a right relationship with God? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray a prayer. We're all going to pray together. And if you know you need to get right with God, I'm simply going to ask you to do this. When I count to three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Then you can pop it back down. By raising your hand, you're saying, Steve, I've done some dumb things. I need Jesus to come into my life. Would you pray with me? I would love, we'll all pray a prayer together. So are you ready? It's between you and God, friend. He loves you. This is your moment. Maybe you've drifted away from God. This can be the moment you come home. He still loves you, friend. So are you ready? If you want to get right with God, when I count three, you raise your hand. Are you ready? One, two, three. That's it. Just slip it up all across this room. Thank you. 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 Thank you over there. It's beautiful. Thank you, man. It's going to leave it. Just one more moment. Maybe there's a battle going on. That's you. You know you've got to get right with God. Come on, one more time. Just lift it up. Yeah, thank you, sweetheart. Thank you over there. It's beautiful. Come on, we're all, why don't we all stand together? We're going to pray this beautiful prayer. Those of you that raised your hand, maybe put your, just put your hands on your heart. You mean this. We're all repeated after me. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me to forgive all my sin and failures so I can have a brand new start. Please come into my life and help me by the power of your Holy Spirit.
to trust and live for you. Amen. Father, right now, in this atmosphere, I thank you that you are coming in to hearts. You're coming to sit on the inside of their lives. You are going to be the voice of wisdom, leading them and guiding them into the future that you have for them. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Just a couple of people I, I want to pray for as well before I hand back. Maybe you're like me when you drove, when I was driving along from Paris, just beating myself up. There are people in this room and you're beating yourself up for things that you did, maybe this week, maybe a year ago, some of you for things you did 20 years ago. Friends, you need to stop doing that. You need to start looking at him. He wants to set some people free today. He wants to forgive you of your shame and your guilt. You've got to realize just how much he loves you. So let me pray over you, Jesus, for any people that are struggling with that. Lord, I want to thank you that as they look to you, as they gaze upon you, as they reflect upon your grace and your goodness and your kindness that we don't earn, we don't deserve. Pray, Lord, there would be a setting free, that chains would be broken on the inside of hearts, that guilt would go, that shame would be broken right across this auditorium and those listening to me on a podcast or on YouTube. Lord, would you set people free? In Jesus' name. So as I hand over to Pastor John, there's one more piece of advice. Any of you are in Madam Wisdom's house, get out. Get out. Don't flit between both houses. Have the courage to come out. So I'm not going to live with any more secrets. I'm going to get myself fixed up and set free by eating at the right table. So friend, if you're in this place, get out. But as I sit down, I do want to honor a group in our church that have been coming for a few months now and that's our TC boys because many of them were over here they were they could have been dead but those boys had the courage to say I'm coming clean I'm getting out I love those boys so come on why don't we congratulate and honor those boys amen amen you know what when we get it wrong God's grace catches us. Amen. Steve so brilliantly articulated in his story. You know, we get it wrong. We mess up. We make mistakes. We make poor choices. And that's why being a follower of Christ, we're caught up in his grace. We don't fall out of the grace. We fall into it. Today, I want you to know that God's grace has captured you again. You know, often we need wisdom. We don't need wisdom for the past because it's done. We need wisdom for the future to help us with the decisions. And I'm going to pray right now for, for wisdom for you for this week. You know, I need wisdom as a parent. My kids are growing up too quick. And they're saying things. I'm like, where did that come from? Any parent out there going like, whoa, didn't see that one coming. So I need wisdom. I need wisdom as a spouse to my wife. I need wisdom to say the right things. I need wisdom pastor in a church. 
I need wisdom. Being a friend, I need a, we, we, we just need wisdom. And the good news is, as we said last week, God gives it generously, gives it freely. And there's plenty enough for all of us. So I just want to pray for wisdom. We're, gonna, we're really going to be, for eight weeks we're going to be in this series. So we, 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 want to, we want to be a church that makes good decisions, less regrets. Good decisions, less regrets. So can I pray for you this week? We're going to put Steve's message into action this week. I pray for wisdom. Just lift up your hands right now, like a cup. God wants to fill you right now with wisdom. Father, we come to you. You are a good, good Father. We thank you, Father, that you are the giver of wisdom. I pray right now that you would fill our cups full this week of wisdom. As we lead our families, our friendships, our businesses, to go into our schools, our universities, in our exams. Lord, in every decision we make this week, Father, we would come to you first and acknowledge you, knowing that you would direct our paths. Lord, I pray for those who have to make big decisions, life-changing decisions this week, that you would give them wisdom beyond their experience, beyond their years, beyond their pay grade. Lord, that you would give them wisdom this, this week as a church family. Pray for wisdom for our board this week. Lord, wisdom for our eldership, for our church, Lord, as we make decisions. Father, with the new building, Father, financial decisions. Lord, we ask you this week that you would give us wisdom. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's thank God in advance for the wisdom He's going to outpour on us. Fantastic. And the very first group of people that... Steve prayed for was those who made their peace with God, invited Jesus as their personal saviour. If you're online, please let us know. Put a little comment in the chat. And just say, I have decided. And one of our team will make sure that we come back to you. But if you're in the room, you lifted up your hand. We've got a gift for you. It's a Bible. It's the Gospel of Mark and uh, a letter of Mark. And uh, I really want to encourage you to receive this gift from us to you. And we'll be out there in the foyers. And the second thing I want to encourage you to do is come back to church come back to church. It's a place of encouragement. It's a place where we teach God's grace and God's wisdom and God's truth. So I encourage you to come back next Sunday. But come on, why don't we congratulate those who made that decision one more time. Thank you. Thanks again for tuning in. And if you said the salvation prayer today, we'd love for you to email connecttofaith at soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision that you've just made. Yeah, you know, and if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, then head to soulchurch.com and click on the giving at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope to see you again soon. God bless.